0: Exercise your voice as well as your body.
1: Communication is vital for all parts of life, from doctor's visits, grocery shopping, to staying connected to loved ones.
0: I've done a pretty good job of exercising my body, but unfortunately I fall down for some reason in exercising my voice.
1: Parkinson's disease can cause issues with speech, concentration, and cognition, which can make communication
2: harder. Communication is a way to be connected and to socialize, and I think that is important because loneliness plays a big factor in quality of life. In this episode, we'll talk to a
1: Parkinson's speech and language pathologist and people living with Parkinson's about common issues with speech and the ways to improve communication
2: after a diagnosis. My thoughts tend to get ahead of my mouth, which then aggravates my word-finding difficulties and the expression of what I want to say. I think that's really important to just breathe, slow down. We'll also talk about swallowing difficulties and ways that speech therapy can help.
3: If you're having problems taking your pills, that's an immediate reason to get a swallowing evaluation from a speech-language pathologist.
1: The Parkinson's Disease podcast was created for educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for formal medical advice. Please talk to your qualified healthcare provider for personal medical diagnosis and treatment. Welcome to the Parkinson's disease
4: podcast. I'm your host, Anna Steckline. In terms of communication, my short-term memory is definitely impacted by Parkinson's. My speech remains fairly clear and strong, but I do definitely have processing challenges.
0: I was having trouble with my voice. My wife was complaining about she couldn't hear me and I thought I was speaking loud enough, but I wasn't.
2: The actual expression of the words is sometimes difficult for me personally because my voice has gotten softer. So in a large crowded situation, trying to interject myself into conversations can sometimes be difficult because of that. Cat Hill,
1: Wayne Folkston, and Dr. Mather are all people living with Parkinson's we've heard from in previous episodes. They're on different journeys in life and with Parkinson's, but have all struggled with the ability to talk and to be heard.
3: The most commonly reported issue, I would say, is probably the quiet voice that many people experience. This is John Dean. I'm a speech-language pathologist. I've been practicing just under 20 years, and 15 of that have been working exclusively with people with Parkinson's and related disorders.
1: Often referred to as SLPs, Speech-language pathologists like John Dean could be an important member of your Parkinson's care team.
3: There's some basically attention deficits, and there's issues with maintaining focus sometimes. that can influence the speech with very common word retrieval problems, what we call like a word-finding issue, tip-of-my-tongue problem. And it could also be maintaining the ability to follow a conversation. People
1: with Parkinson's may begin struggling with things like speaking at the correct volume and paying attention to what other people are saying. Cat Hill says she finds it hard to have important conversations in busy environments.
4: I don't make decisions if there's a lot going on around us, if it's noisy, if there's a lot of other conversations going on. I can't track well or I get overloaded and my nervous system sort of shuts down. And Dr.
1: Mather, a family physician and person with Parkinson's, experiences the common
2: word-finding issue. Sometimes I can think of a word, I know what I want to say, but I have trouble saying that word, kind of picking it out from my brain and expressing it.
1: There are also some scenarios that might make conversing harder.
3: Sometimes having a lot of visual stimuli, if you're in a busy public environment and there's a lot of people walking around behind the person you're talking to, that can make it more difficult for you to stay focused.
1: There are some simple tips John suggests that can help if you have Parkinson's disease or are conversing with someone who does.
3: Make sure that you're making eye contact or you have the person's attention before you're trying to talk to them. So you'll be doing something, you'll be typing, you're working and someone will say something to you and then you won't hear it and then they'll go, John, and now you're looking up and it's like it'd be much smarter if you would say, John, And I would look up and then tell me. (laughs) So change the way that you're ordering that communication.
1: Kat has changed the way her and her husband talk to make sure they understand each other.
4: My husband and I are good communicators, I would say. My style of communication has had to change. So if I'm trying to make a decision or... It's an important conversation. We have learned that we need to do that when I'm not super symptomatic and when there's not a lot going on around us both. For people with Parkinson's,
1: being able to see someone's face when they're talking can also be a big help to aid communication.
3: If you're talking to someone and they're standing in front of a window and you're looking at them, all that light means that their face becomes darker and harder to see, and now you can't see their lips, and all of a sudden you have a communication problem.
1: There are tools available to make conversations easier. Visiting an audiologist to have your hearing tested and considering a hearing aid are good steps to try. John also suggests some technology you can buy online.
3: Over-the-counter kind of tools that we call like pocket talkers or like a miracle ears, cause it's like a personal listening device. And those are fairly inexpensive.
1: One kind of personal listening device is a pair of headphones that connect to a small microphone, which amplifies the voice of the person talking if pointed in that direction. So that helps with listening. And then there are devices to aid speaking.
3: On the flip side of that, they actually make personal amplification devices, which are small battery-operated speakers with a microphone. And I often recommend people use those, especially if they're going to be in a big, loud public environment.
1: Dr. Mather uses the support of people who know her well to help manage
2: conversations
1: in busy environments like weddings or parties.
2: Trying to recruit those that love you and know you, I think is also very important if you are in a larger social situation. If you have someone like your partner or friend that knows that you have difficulties in this area, they can perhaps bring you into the conversation a little bit more or prompt people to listen. For specific help with speaking
1: quietly, or speaking in just one tone, John recommends a voice training
3: program. That's where LSVT or there's other programs out there now like Speak Out, the Parkinson's Voice Project.
1: LSVT stands for Lee Silverman Voice Treatment and is named after Lee Silverman, a woman living with Parkinson's. It's a worldwide program that teaches you to recalibrate your voice.
0: When I was first diagnosed, that was one of my symptoms was I had a weak voice.
1: Wayne Folkston, who we heard from in previous episodes, completed LSVT at the start of his Parkinson's journey and shares the techniques the program taught him and can teach others, too.
0: It's a series of sounds that you make, kind of like singing high, medium, and low notes. And you try to get a note and hold it as long as you can. Because another thing that happens to my voice is that I've run out of wind I'll start a sentence, and I can't finish it without taking another breath. I just had to breathe there. It is an effective program. It takes several weeks, and the improvement is dramatic. At the end of the training, my voice sounds like it used to be.
1: Another way to improve your vocal skills is through singing, and there are Parkinson's-specific choirs across the world.
3: Choirs for Parkinson's are interesting to me because there's a social element as well. And I think that's super valuable.
1: But it doesn't have to be an organized choir aimed at people with a diagnosis.
4: I sang a lot and did a lot of vocal stuff all through high school and college. And I think that learning how to do diaphragmatic breathing, that real deep breathing has helped me to maintain my vocal ability.
3: If you have a choir in your community that's maybe related to your church or some other civic organization, there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's still good use. It's just maybe not as targeted to your needs.
2: There are even opportunities to improve your voice at home. I haven't participated in any type of voice training formally. I sing a lot in the car and that sort of thing and in the shower, and I find that helps strengthen my voice.
3: I'll tell people who can't get to a choir or they're working is that you could do kind of a karaoke approach these days. There's YouTube and certain apps out there that you could actually pull up any song you like and it'll have the lyrics and it'll have background music and you can practice that way. That's a really functional, easy way to do it at home.
1: Working one-on-one with a speech-language pathologist like John would involve multiple clinic sessions, as well as daily exercises that would aim to address issues such as word finding, struggling to hold conversations, or quiet voice. Quiet voice is the term used to describe when vocal cords don't vibrate adequately, and it often makes people with Parkinson's difficult to hear and understand. Head to healthunmuted.com to find a link that shows the speech and language pathologist near you. You're listening to the Parkinson's Disease Podcast, part of the Health Unmuted Library. Please like, subscribe, or follow this series on your favorite podcast player to stay aware of all future episode releases. So far, we've talked about some of the speech and communication problems people with Parkinson's might face, and different ways of adapting to them. Next,
2: let's talk about swallowing difficulties and ways that speech therapy can help. Speech and language pathology can be wonderful, not just in terms of voice, but in terms of swallowing difficulties and issues with choking when you swallow and aspiration.
3: Swallowing dysfunction could be anything from having difficulty taking a pill to drooling, which is pretty common.
1: A swallowing assessment is usually carried out by a speech and language pathologist like John. They'll ask a series of questions about eating and swallowing, then carry out some tests. They'll use a video x-ray or an endoscopic exam so that they can observe the swallowing process as the person sips liquid and eats food, and these substances flow from the mouth, down the throat and esophagus, and to the stomach.
3: Parkinson's may lead to slower movement, may mean that there's a timing issue when you're swallowing.
2: The foods that I was having trouble with swallowing were primarily texturally related. So sticky foods, things like cheese or... Mashed potatoes, I found would get stuck in the back of my throat and I had to drink water or swallow a few times in order for the food to go down into my stomach. Dr. Mather
1: completed a swallowing assessment by a speech and language pathologist, but they didn't find any particular issues, so advised her to make some small changes at home.
2: Other than the choice of foods, I've become much more aware and much more present when I'm eating. I concentrate more. I try not to talk or get too engrossed in conversation. I take smaller spoonfuls of things. I just try not to rush. And I just really make a really conscious effort to concentrate on the swallowing process. And I have lots of fluids by my side. Since Parkinson's is a progressive disease, it's important to
1: remain aware of any changes to your symptoms over time.
3: The changes that may have happened in your speech or your swallowing may have happened so slowly that you may not be aware of that and you may not recognize it. And so working with a clinician, a speech language pathologist, you'll get someone with an expert eye.
1: Trouble swallowing affects eating meals and also taking medication.
3: Pill swallowing dysfunction is a really early problem. If you're having problems taking your pills and you can't get them down or maybe you have a pill, they get stuck in your throat a little bit, you can feel that sensation. That's an immediate reason to get a swallowing evaluation from a speech-language pathologist.
1: In addition to a swallowing evaluation, John also has a tip for making swallowing pills easier that may surprise you.
3: Most people take pills with water, and it's actually a terrible approach because water is going to go wherever it wants. It's going to go to the path of least resistance, and the pill is small, and it's hard, and it's kind of dry and chalky. You're trying to control this bit of water that goes wherever it wants. And so what I recommend to people is to take the water away and put the pill onto a spoonful of applesauce or sometimes I mash up a banana I try to steer people away from using a puree like a yogurt or pudding because that has protein and sometimes the protein can interact with the pills and make it not work as well or not work at all. But you put that pill directly onto the applesauce and then it makes it much easier to swallow because now you have something that has some heft to it and isn't going to go traveling around. That's one quick solution.
1: There are also different medication styles you can try such as a patch or crushable pill. If you're struggling to take your medication, speak to your doctor as soon as possible. We know we haven't covered everything in this short series, so here are some resources to help you continue learning. If you would like to find more information on improving your voice and communication when living with Parkinson's, head to healthunmuted.com for a full list of resources, including video sessions from Parkinson's Voice Project and the LSVT website to find a program near you. You can find a Parkinson's community through local and global advocacy groups like PD Avengers. You can also find a selection of other podcasts that you may find helpful as you continue to learn more about this disease, such as You, Me, and PD by Jeremy Lickness and his wife, Doreen. Thanks to Dr. Mather and John Dean for their professional expertise, and to Cat Hill, Wayne Folkestone, and Dr. Mather for sharing their personal experiences. In this Parkinson's disease miniseries, we've talked to healthcare providers and those living with the condition about a lot of different ways Parkinson's disease affects a person. But we know there are more topics to cover, like mental health and caring for someone with advanced stage Parkinson's. So we'll return with further episodes that address these topics and more. Like and follow the show on your favorite podcast player, and subscribe to our newsletter to keep up to date when we release new content. If you have questions or a topic related to Parkinson's disease you'd like us to cover, get in touch through our website or on social media. This show was produced and hosted by me, Anna Steckline, with writing and production support by Hannah Turner. Sound design is by Ivan Jurich. Our executive producer is Dan Kendall. And Chris Hemmings is our associate editor. This show is a part of the Health Unmuted Audio Library by Mission Based Media. To listen and learn more, visit healthunmuted.com and follow our show on your favorite podcast player. See you back here soon, and thanks for listening.